I just got to love that uh, people are gifted by God to write songs like that, that put words in your mouth. Words that you and I mightn't think to say ourselves. Depending on what state of mind you've come into church this morning, it might be the last thing on your mind to think about letting faith arise. And the beauty of the gift of music in church is that you can just decide to start singing those words and declaring them and, and you do change the atmosphere. You do change the trajectory of your life. You, you do change where you're going to land this afternoon because of what you believe. Of the Bible, it says that Abraham, though he was as good as dead, he didn't waver in unbelief. And he says something along the, along the lines of he was fully persuaded. I want to encourage you to be fully persuaded this morning. Pastor Steve's going to come and bring us a word in the moment. And Steve's a, he's a quietly spoken guy like I think I am. And uh, we, we laugh because we're actually similarly wide in lots of ways. And uh, we see the world similarly as well. And, but i got to tell you, Steve, Steve's a, well, he's just one of these guys that he's got a lot more belt behind him. He'll sock it to you this morning. The message he's got for you is great. But I know his heart as mine is. What I'd love to see you come to the end of this meeting today, fully persuaded. Just fully persuaded that it's God, that God wants to do something in your life. Steve and Deb White are the greatest friends you could ask for. They've been a great blessing in our life. We love bragging about our grandkids to each other and uh, comparing notes about life. And uh, we, as you, some of you may know, we toured Israel together back in 2014 and we had a blast with the guys there and Eric and Chris Harrison as well. And, just having people that you can journey through life through the thick, thick and thins of stuff that happens is gold. Listen to me, young people. Um, whatever you do, make it a priority to gather some good friends into your life. People that will just walk with you through the valleys and over the mountaintops. They'll cry when you're crying. They'll laugh when you're laughing. Steve and Deb have been those kind of guys for us. And the oversight role is changing. Um, but our friendship and that journey together is not. And so uh, I'm just really confident to say, Steve, come and give it to us. I want you to welcome Steve as he comes right now. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Let's just close our eyes for a couple of moments. I have a word of knowledge at the beginning of the last service and uh, nobody responded in the service, but after the service, somebody came up and said, you nailed me with that word of knowledge. And they said, you know what? I can believe for other people's miracles. I can believe for your miracle. I can believe for your wife's miracle, but I can't believe for my own miracle. You know, sometimes it's like we've got to push past the voices in our head that try to rob us of what God is taking us into. And I want you to be open. I want you to be fully persuaded, as Pastor Bruce said this morning. I want you to be expectantly leaning in in your heart today as God wants to do something significant. Even if it's just a perspective shift, that would be massive. Just in that space, I... I and kind of like, obviously, I'm just in the Old Testament zone a little bit this morning, but I, I thought, there's, been, there's somebody here that you've actually had a Jericho moment, you've had a wall come down moment, 
And um, what happened after that, as you read this, the narrative of the scripture, it wasn't long before that they went to take another city, they went to fight another fight, but, the, but that was undermined by a compromise that was uh, allowed to sneak in. And so I just want to pray for you this morning that if you feel, you've, you know you've had that Jericho, that wall come down moment and you feel that uh, you're moving forward, that, and maybe you know, even now, I think you do, what that little compromise is. That, because um, you remember the story when uh, in AI, the city of AI, and somebody put some, uh, stole some stuff and didn't tell anybody, and it just affected the whole, the whole nation. You know, little things that we do have big consequences. Father, right now, I just pray. God, that we would not allow little things to derail our destiny. Lord, we would not allow the little compromises to undo the incredible battles that you have won and fought for us, God. And so, Father, I pray against the spirit of compromise. I pray against, Lord, whatever it is that, that we allow in that's undermining what you are doing. And I thank you, God, for the fullness of destiny for each and every person here. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You can grab a seat. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful, as always. I just want to say that Bruce and Julie's kind words towards them and I are completely reciprocated. They are far more articulate at expressing it than, than, uh, than we are, but we love your pastors and uh, the, the friendship is what gets you and sustains you through life and uh, to you. Uh, and as Bruce encouraged the younger people, get good friends in your life. Uh, for those of you going into ministry, get good friends and hold on to them. Tell the stories, weep the tears, pray the prayers. Um, and just thank you for the privilege of allowing us to walk with you for the last five years. And uh, we will be still walking with you, but it's going to be slightly different, but probably not too much different in most ways. And, uh, you know, uh, the thing about it is that as a church and your pastors, you are not high maintenance. You, one of our responsibilities is to get involved in red zone churches where things are going wrong. And so we, that is, you are not a red zone church and you will never be a red zone church and neither will Parkside. I'm just prophesying this right now. Um, but uh, so thank you for graciously embracing us and appreciating us. We really do. It, it, it's completely reciprocal. So we're talking about miracles this month. Uh, and um, a miracle, I'm going to define a miracle. It's an intervention in the natural universe by God doing something into our world. It's a phenomena that transcends natural laws. It's a divine act by which God reveals himself to people. A miracle. So there's lots of miracle examples of miracles in the in the Bible: walking on water, floating axe heads, healings, uh, um, storms being stilled. You name it. There's all sorts of miracles from the front to the back of the Bible, and that uh, you know that's really it's just really literally one miracle after another. It's a miracle of redeemed relationships. It's a miracle of uh, new life and birth and, and uh, salvation and deliverance and all of those sorts of things. 
And uh, God has not changed. He is a miracle-working God. He is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. So it's all part of who he is. And so, you know, I, I, I just... Uh, I think that we can carry an expectation of God doing something miraculous in our lives and for and through us. Uh, it's not just defined, uh, confined to people who have funny names and Hebrew names in the Old Testament or anything like that. It's now for you and I. And I want to this morning raise your awareness and your expectation level around miracles. And so I want to ask you a question. I want to begin with a question to get you thinking about Miracles and your expectations. Because what are your expectations of God? Are your expectations of God that he will just do what you uh, ask of him whenever you ask him of it? And that would be the definition of a miracle? Or are you prepared to go on the journey and understand a bit more of the nature and character of God? Because sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Because he loves us so much, he knows how destructive our prayers would be if we answered them the way we wanted them to. And so we need to trust. We need to be in relationship with God and say, well, God, I'm going to keep hanging on, but I just need to know your voice. But I want to ask you a question this morning. If there was a request you knew God was going to answer in your life, he was going to do whatever you asked him to do, what would your request be? If you knew he was going to 100%, without fail, answer this prayer, this request, what would it be? Would it be, God, please put my marriage back together? Would that be miraculous if he did answer that prayer? Would it be maybe a restoring of a relationship with a child or a sibling that's gone off the rails and you just want that relationship restored? Or maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, a child that is having tantrums like most children do and, and you, you just want God to intervene. Would that be miraculous? Or maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe you just need God to come through with a physical healing and you keep asking and asking. And if he was to answer that, would that be miraculous? Or maybe you need a job just to find fulfillment in life and earn an income. And if he was to come through for that, would that be miraculous? Or maybe it's a financial breakthrough of some description that breaking free from debt. And if he was to answer that and come through, would that be miraculous? Or maybe, maybe it's like you just really want to find life's partner and you want to find somebody to do the journey of life and faith with. And if he was to answer that question, that would be miraculous. Or maybe you've been so gripped by fear and anxiety and depression over time and mental health challenges that you just want to be free from that stuff and have a clear head and a clear heart. And if he was to answer and set you free from that, that would be miraculous. What is your expectation of God this morning? Maybe you just want a, a really good friend. God, just could you give me a friend? And if he was to answer that, that would be miraculous for you. What would it be? What question would you ask of God? I want to have a look at a story in the New Testament of a guy who asked a question of God, and he was looking for a miraculous answer. He was a father, and what was grieving him and breaking him up more than anything was that he had a son who would uh, throw himself on the ground and manifest demonically and foam at the mouth and all this kind of thing. 
And as parents, most of us have had kids who do that. We can identify with (laughs) manifesting toddlers or or whatever. But this had been going on for a long, long time. And uh, he was... uh, So the son was being tormented spiritually and physically. And the father was grieved. He was the dad and he couldn't do anything. He'd taken, he'd taken his son to the, to the disciples and they hadn't been able to do anything. And later on, Jesus says, you know, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. Some things only shift when we actually intentionally push into them and, and see the change and the shift happening. But, um, you know, he, he runs up to Jesus. Finally, he's at his wit's end. Jesus has just come off the mountain of transfiguration, so he's kind of glowing probably even more than he normally does. And uh, it comes down and the Father says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us and heal my son. And I want to pick it up in uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. And it says this, the Father's saying, the Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? And if you want a title for the message this morning, it's what do you mean, if? What do you mean, if? The thing that you're believing for, that request, it's like Jesus is saying this morning, what do you mean, if? If you can believe, all things are possible. He goes on to say, what do you mean, if? Jesus asked, if anything is possible, if a person believes. And so, what do you mean, if? That question, if, sticks out like a sore thumb to me. It's kind of like, if, I, if we could just hang on to God, if we could just w- walk the walk, however long it's going to take for the miracle to come. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about we've got to be able to w- uh, work miracles. I'm going to share some stories about how miracles have been worked in, in, in mine and Deb's life over, over time. There's a, a working of miracles. Most of the time, it just doesn't drop in our lap. And tragically, I have seen that happen for people from time to time who have a a supernatural uh, encounter and a a miraculous intervention. And then six months later, they're not even walking with God anymore. You know, so uh, I'm not saying it can't happen, but, but, you know, it's like, what would... You know, what would our life look like if we actually believed in the power of God at work for you and I? And so... Just some thoughts around how we work the miracle. Three things. We need to remain, we need to restrain, and there needs to be rebuking. And we're going to have a look at these three things. Remaining. Embrace the process. What God begins in power, he completes in process. And so we find ourselves dealing with the gap between expectation and reality and then navigating that process. Expectation and reality. And That almost sums up our lives, doesn't it? We have an expectation, but reality is here. Whether we're in business, whether it's a relationship, we have an expectation of our spouse or our significant other, but the reality is they're not quite measuring up to what our expectation is. What are we going to do with that gap in in between? And so we need to be able to understand the process, embrace the process. We live in an instantaneous culture. Everything is out there at the, at the touch of a button, but we've got to learn to embrace the process. There are no shortcuts for satisfying the soul. As Eugene Peterson says, we need to learn to walk in long obedience in the same direction. We've got to walk this walk through. 
I've been a Christian now. I got saved at 17 years of age. Uh, so I've been a Christian 40-something uh, plus years, a long, long time. And it's, you know, I've been in lots of church services. Uh, and I still look forward to going to church every week. I've had lots of prayers not answered. I've probably had more prayers not answered than answered. And so I've probably learned to change the way I pray these days. My prayer is more along the lines of, Lord, your will be done. I want to walk with you in this. I want to, in the, and in that your will being done, what are you shifting in me? What, what am I, what, where's my heart need to soften? And so all of these kind of things. John 15, 5 says this. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me will produce much fruit. And apart from him, you can do nothing. There is a fruit attached to remaining. And maybe the fruit of the miraculous is you remaining in God. You remaining in church. You remaining in prayer. You remaining in reading the word. Remaining in him so you can enjoy the fruit. And it goes on in verse 10 and 11 of 15 to say, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. And just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus learned to remain. You and I need to learn to remain. We need to embrace the process. we just got to hang in there and, uh, and understand what he's uh, teaching and showing us. We, we planted a church in Kingscliff, far north coast of New South Wales, uh, about 25 years ago. We were sent from uh, C3 Corumban to plant the church. Uh, we had a service just like we've done now for Simon and Georgia. And we were prayed over. That same scripture was prophesied over us that uh, we prophesied and shared over Simon, Georgia. Little by little, you will inherit land. It won't happen in one year. We always had an understanding that it was going to take time. There was a process attached to it. And so that becomes the power of it. But our vision initially was to survive 12 months. And if we did that, we would have been the most successful Pentecostal church in town. And so we did that. After 12 months, it's like, well, now what do we do? What's our vision now? You know, and we just keep going. We want to be, continue to be the, a credible Pentecostal witness into the town. And over, over time, the church slowly but surely grew. Uh, Deb and I were both working bivocationally. I was in construction. Deb was chaplaincy and, and doing other things along those lines. But we just kept working in it. The, the thing about the Kingscliff region, the Tweed Coast, is that the uh, average income, household income, in that part of the, uh, of the country is 23% below the national average income. And so we found ourselves in a situation where you, you're wanting resources to do God's work, but how is, how is it going to work? Because in the natural, it was not going to work. But over, over a 12-year period when we embarked on building a, a building and acquiring land and all that sort of stuff, we saw over a million dollars given into the building fund through the generosity of people just like you. And that becomes the power of what's happening. You know, uh, Bruce was telling me a, a while ago that... Uh, that because it was actually when we were in Darwin a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting down with Sean and Jane Foster and Bruce and Julie and Deb and myself, and we're telling our war stories of church planting and how, you know, all this kind of stuff. But Bruce told the story how they came to, when they were looking to buy this building, which used to be the chocolate factory, um, they had a Sunday service where they had to raise $120,000 cash in a Sunday service from a congregation probably about this size. And if that didn't happen, the deal wouldn't have gone through. But it happened. 
You are sitting in the midst of a miracle. You are sitting in the fruit of a miracle. You are sitting in the midst of people who remained. You are sitting and it's and in the natural, it's like, how does this work? Bank managers just don't understand church finances. Because it's like what you live on the goodwill of people giving and, and you're gonna have 120,000 given from this a crowd this size, but it happened. It's the miracle. And so we, we've got to be able to, to be in, in that place and expecting that kind of thing. And there needs to be that pioneering, hungry edge to us. It's like, well, if God doesn't come through, we're sunk. And most of the time we live within our comfort zone, but we should learn to live in that place on the edge. And so it becomes that, that challenge. It, it's... it's you know, and attached to all of that. So we were a church um, of probably 80 people when uh, the opportunity came up to buy a Seventh-day Adventist building in town. And so the building was straddled over two uh, housing blocks and there was two adjoining housing blocks that were the car park, so there was four housing blocks altogether. And we did a deal with the Seventh-day Adventist to just buy the building and the two blocks because we couldn't afford to buy the whole lot. We did the deal and then... Um, a few days later, the agent rang up and said, oh, sorry to say, but uh, they've, they've uh, found a buyer to buy the whole four blocks with the building on it. It was the Jehovah's Witnesses. So they've done a deal with them. You've been gazumped, basically. And I was like, this isn't right. And so we decided as a church to, to go to prayer. And right at the very same time, a woman in our church came down with meningococcal. And so we had to go up to the Gold Coast Hospital and we're praying for her life as the rash was spreading across her body. And, uh, and we're praying for her life. And uh, cut a long story short, she got healed by the power of God and um, the J-Dubs finance fell through and they couldn't buy the building. It was offered back to us again and we said, well, look, how about we do a, fen a vendor finance deal? And they, they said, well, okay. So what ended up happening was that we borrowed the money from the Seventh-day Adventist head office to uh, buy their own church building off them in the north coast of New South Wales, which was miraculous. And so you've got to embrace the process. You've got to hang on and remain in the, in the journey. The second thought is don't take matters into your own hand. We need to exercise restraint. Restraint. Abraham was somebody who, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands and gave birth to Ishmael. You know the story and the fruit of that centuries and centuries later. But we need to make sure that we don't let impatience get the better of us. But we're actually restraining ourselves to lean on God. And so if we're holding on and just trying to solve things in our own wisdom and strength, we're going to miss what God is doing. So we need to exercise restraint. And it becomes about the journey of the soul. And so in Psalm 130 verse 5, it says this, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. There is a waiting that is good for the soul. If we got everything we wanted when we wanted it, we wouldn't learn the value of waiting that is good for our soul. And so there's a waiting that builds us in our relationship with God. There's a waiting that causes and encourages us to grow from the inside out. Dallas Willard says, Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in this day. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We've got to learn what it is to wait and to exercise restraint and allow God to come through. And so that becomes important. So we're talking about restraint. We're talking about remaining. And the third thought is 
Well, before I get to that, the restraint, you know, there needs to be, because I think the enemy will tempt us to take things into our own hands. And so we had a situation when we bought the church and there was a, the, a house next door and uh, they were just hated us. They hated the music, the noise, everything that we did they complained about. They got the council involved and all this sort of thing. And it was like, I call it affectionately, the cranky neighbor demon manifested there all the, all the time. And so it, got to the, it came to a head where the council organized a meeting. So our board and myself and the neighbor, uh, we, we met out the front of church one morning and so he was standing eyeballing me like this and yelling and spitting and screaming and carrying on and uh, it was it was horrible and so the solution from the council was okay well you need to tell all the neighbors what you're doing and when you're doing it and so that they know and can make arrangements or be prepared and all that kind of thing so it's like so you actually want us to invite the neighbors to everything that we're doing all the time they said, yes, if you could do that, that would help. And we go, awesome, we're happy to do that. You know, we can let everybody know all the time. And so, and so that was what the agreement was. And so from a period of time after that, everything we do, we had to letterbox all, all the neighbours and tell them what we were doing. It was awesome. Mandated evangelism. It was unreal. But what happened was, so on the board... Uh, we had a Maori on the board. We go back inside the building after the meeting, and he's ropeable. He's, he's going, nobody talks to my pastor that way. We're going to turn up the music. We're going to play louder. We're going to do this and that. No, no, we're not. We're actually going to show some restraint. We're actually going to do what God, God has given us the opportunity to do. And I appreciated his heart, but it's like there are times when we have to exercise restraint. And so we eventually ended up buying the house next door. And we used it for counselling programs and work for the dole and all of that kind of thing. But, but we had to learn and grow in restraint because if we took matters into our own hands, we would have birthed an Ishmael in that situation. It would have been disastrous. So understanding what it is to exercise restraint. And the third one, third point is let God do what only he can do. In the realm of rebuking, there is only certain things that God can do. Malachi 3.10 uh, familiar with many of us, but uh, bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven and so on and so on. If you do. You know, the if is about us. It's not about Jesus. If is about us. And, and, and that becomes the thing. If we do our bit, God can do his bit. And it goes on to say in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There is a devourer who wants to rob your miracle. There is a devourer who wants to rip off your healing. There is a devourer who wants to interfere with your relationship. But if we do our bit, whatever that may be, it may be that we bring our tithes into the storehouse. It may be that if we just come to Jesus as the Father did and, and ask him, to intervene, he will rebuke the devourer for us. He rebukes the storm. We read about that in, in uh, Matthew 8 and Mark 4. He rebukes the demons. We read about that in Matthew 17 and Mark 1. He rebukes unclean spirits. And we read about that in Mark 9. He rebukes the hardness of heart and the unbelief of the disciples. You know, there are times when our rebuke needs to, we need to receive a rebuke for the miracle to be unlocked. And, you know, that becomes the power of what God is doing. There are certain things that only God can do. And rebuking the powers of darkness, if we set ourselves up well for that. 
as we continued on in our journey with the, with the land at Kingscliff, behind where the church was, there was six acres that was owned by the RTA. They were never going to sell it, and that's why the Seventh-day Adventists wanted to move on, because they couldn't get access to that six acres. But we actually, for seven years, prayer walked that land. We got machetes and walked around the perimeter and cut all the lantana away and just prayer walked that land. We actually worked the miracle. We actually put the effort in to do what we had to do. And so uh, eventually it came uh, in 2010. Uh, There was a change of government and a change of heart from the RTA and they decided to sell the land. And so we tried to negotiate with them, to buy it from them. They wouldn't negotiate. No, it's got to go to public auction. We were the largest adjoining landowner anyway. And so we went to auction. We bought the land uh, for $50,000. Six acres, 500 metres from the beach on the north coast of New South Wales for $50,000. Who thinks that's a good deal? Who thinks that is a, is a miracle? Who thinks there's a working of miracles that went for seven years as we prayer walked that beforehand? You've got to pray. You've got to work the miracle as it talks about in, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to say to you today, if there's a healing, like, you know, it's uh, share a story of Deb working a miracle with a healing. So uh, in the the mid-20s, Deb was diagnosed, had scoliosis of the spine, and we had a a youth pastor that prayed for her, and her leg grew. That was one of the symptoms of the scoliosis was that her leg, one leg was significantly shorter than the other. He said to me, have you ever seen a leg grow? And I go, no, can't say I have. He said, well, watch this. So he sat Deb down on the seat at the front of church. I can still picture it now. And he started praying, and her leg grew back into the right place, and the scoliosis was gone and the back was healed. Three days later, the pain came back. The leg had uh, gone back to the, uh, her original position, and so Deb sat on the edge of the bed at home and just prayed in tongues until her leg came and grew again. She actually had to do that for over 18 months before there was a complete healing. And, and to this day, the healing is still there of the scoliosis. But you've actually got to work a miracle. But you would sort of think, oh, that's awesome. Everything would be fine after that. But uh, at 30 years of age, Deb was uh, told that she'd be in a wheelchair by 40 because of a debilitating arthritic condition. And so Deb is now in her 60th year and is not uh, in a wheelchair. And um, it's her birthday. I could get away with things like that. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but, but you actually, we have to work these miracles. You know, it doesn't drop in our lap most of the time. Occasionally it does, and celebrate those and hold on to those. But be prepared to work your miracle. Be prepared to put in the hard yards because God wants our heart more than anything else. Can I invite you to stand this morning? Thank you, God. If I can invite the worship team up, thank you. You're onto it already, ahead of the game. Wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. As Pastor Bruce said at the end of the first service, the greatest miracle any of us can experience is the miracle of new life, of salvation, of being born again. And I want this morning to give each and every one of you, the opportunity to have the miracle of new life and walking with Jesus Christ. 
And if you're here today and you don't have that assurance and you would like to have that assurance, because I tell you, that eternal life, we've got to work it out. We've got to work that miracle. We're saved at the moment of salvation. But then we've got to walk our miracle out and enjoy it along the way. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord and you would like to, can I just invite you to raise your hand so I can see it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody here who needs to make that decision today? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I would like to just take this opportunity briefly and quickly. I don't want to linger on this. But if you you know you want a miracle to be unlocked in your life this morning, can I invite you to come down on this altar? That's the first step of working the miracle is to actually take a step of faith and believe that God is actually going to move in a miraculous supernatural power over your life. And I want to pray over us that that we would be able to have the faith to remain, that we would have the restraint to not birth Ishmael's, and that we would actually allow God to rebuke the devourer who doesn't want us to see or embrace the miracles that are coming in our life. Thank you, God. 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 Lord, I thank you this morning. On this altar represents a collective and corporate activation of faith, God. Lord, each and every one of these people have taken a step to work the miracle, God. And I thank you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them the restraint. Lord, you would um, Lord, allow them to work the miracle. Walk it through, God, right now in Jesus' name. We rebuke the devourer that these miracles will come to pass, that you would allow them to remain in faith in you, God that these miracles will come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. We come against every principality and power and spiritual dark force that would seek to rob the people of God of the miracles that you are wanting to pour into their lives. God, I thank you for enlarging their souls to be able to see you at work, God, in a fresh new way. Lord, we pray for these breakthroughs, for these miracles, whether they're relational healings, God, whether they're financial breakthroughs, whether they're uh, emotional deliverances, whatever they are, God, we pray for your power to be unlocked today in this place in Jesus' name. Lord, we believe as we praise, as we pray, as we worship God, we are unlocking miracles in this place. Lord, we thank you, Father, that as a church, we're unlocking the miracle of a new church plant down the hill. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for the working of miracles. We thank you, Lord, for walls coming down. We thank you for physical healings, God. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Like never before, we cry out to you, God. Give us the strength to remain, God. Give us the strength to remain, God. Give us the wisdom to restrain, God. Give us the wisdom to restrain and allow Jesus to rebuke the things in our lives that need rebuking in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name.